All right, tonight we're going to continue our uh, study in the book of Ruth. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and get your Bible out. Uh, if you have your phone, use your phone, whatever. We're going to pray. God, we thank you so much for your grace. We heard so much about that last week. We thank you so much for your goodness, for your power. And Lord, tonight as we study your word, we believe that we're going to see a little bit more insight into who you are, how you operate, and how we can participate in what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys know that every good story has like this moment in the story when something happens and you can kind of start to guess how the story's going to end, right? Every good story has, every movie has that moment. Let me just ask you a different way. How many of you guys are the type of people that you go into a movie theater and you watch a movie and you discover the moment that you can kind of see where the movie's going to end? How many of you guys know that? And then how many of you guys are jerks and you tell everybody else around you exactly how it's going to end, right? Yeah. We're kind of... In this moment in the book of Ruth, in this story, where you start to see the pieces come together, and you can kind of start to imagine, even though there's still a lot of pieces left to put in play, you can kind of imagine, because uh, Ruth, and, and I'm not going to tell the whole backstory, story, but, but Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, they left Ruth's homeland, coming back to Naomi's homeland, and Ruth had left everything. She had left everything, and she said, Naomi, your, your people are going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. Your land is going to be my land. And she had hopes of starting a brand new life and a brand new family, presumably. And so this is where we come to the place where Ruth comes face to face in the story with a guy named Boaz. Now, how many of you guys have read to the end of the story? How many of you guys know what the end of the story is? All right, so many of you guys know, but this is where it happens. Ruth chapter 2, verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let, my eyes be, let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, said, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given, given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Now, there's a lot to the backstory. I'll just give you a little bit of the piece, and then we'll get into it a little bit later. But she had come to glean in the fields to gather food, and that's where she encounters Boaz. And we come to this moment in the story where we can kind of start to figure out a little bit of where this story might be headed, because Boaz is in a position basically to buy the rights to marry Ruth. Now, we'll talk about that in a few weeks, but, but that's where this story is starting to come together. And Ruth 
had this dream, no doubt, that she would one day start a family, but it had seemed so far off. How many of you guys have dreams like that, that you have the dream now, but it, the dream seems so far off at times? Can I, can I just see a show of hands? And maybe you're in that now. Maybe you've experienced that now where you've got a dream, but, but it seems so far off. How many of you guys know that in order to reach your destiny or to reach your dreams, you need the hand of God, you need the favor of God, you need the blessing of God to do what he's called you to do? See, God doesn't call us to do something we could do all by ourselves. He, he requires us to lean in on his favor and his blessing, and we can see that here in the story of Ruth. Now, when God puts a dream in your heart, you got to understand this. There's always a, a distance, almost always a distance between the day he gives you the dream and the day the dream gets fulfilled. Have you noticed that? There's always, seems like there's a distance between the day you get the dream and the day the dream comes to pass. Now, the distance is totally frustrating. How many of you guys admit you've been totally frustrated by the distance between this day and that day? It's totally frustrating, but I can tell you it's entirely necessary. Why is it necessary, even though it's frustrating? It is because God places dreams in our heart. He places dreams in our heart and in our lives. That he, well, let me put it this way. He never places a dream in your heart that you're already prepared to walk into. Therefore, we have to have some distance. And, and, and when God puts a dream in your heart, he puts the dream in the heart for the future you, not the current you. Pastor Aaron and I were talking about this this week, and he was talking about Joseph and, and how Joseph, you know, when he got the dream, if you remember the story uh, back in Genesis where he was like 17 years old, he got the dream. But, but how many of you guys know the dream wasn't for 17-year-old Joseph, was it? The dream was many, for, for the Joseph that followed many, many years of being cultivated and chiseled and, and being worked on and going through process until this Joseph. See, the, the dream that, that was given over here was not for that Joseph. It was for this Joseph. And so there's always a distance between the day we get the dream and the day the dream comes to pass because God places the dream in our heart for the future you, not the current you, and that's why there's some distance. Now, we need the blessing of God and the favor of God as we walk through this distance. We need God's hand in our life. A couple of us were texting back and forth this week, and we were wrestling with this question. Somebody brought up this question. In fact, it was Chris. He was brought up this question. And uh, he, he, he was, we were just kind of wrestling with scriptural t Scripture together, which is a good thing to do. And the question that he just kind of tossed out so that we could just kind of play back and forth and answer it was uh, that we know that grace is unconditional. How many of you guys know grace is unconditional? Pastor Robbie talked about that last week. If you missed last week, you got to get back on the podcast and listen to that because grace is unconditional. God, get, we can't do anything to earn it. But the, the question was, but are the blessings of God unconditional? I was like, oh, that's a, good, that's a good question. That's a good question. So we began to just talk about it and look at Scripture and wrestle with that. And so as you, go to the as you go through this distance from that day to this day, you're going to need God's hand. You're going to need God's favor, God's blessing, God at work in your dream. But the question is, how do blessings really work? And so as I was wrestling with that this, this week, uh, I believe God showed me three different ways that we encounter God's blessing as we're walking this distance towards our dream. So let's watch. So there are at least three ways that we can walk in God's blessing, at least three. Here's, let me give you three of them that I believe that God showed me this week. One is 
provision from God, where God just does something just kind of out of the box, where God just blesses us and it's nothing that we did, but God just comes and he just blesses us with provision. Uh, the second area that God, that we can walk in God's blessing is through the promises of God. These are the promises that God made in scripture. These are kind of the if then parts of scripture that we link our faith in with God. And then we see rewards for linking our faith with God's promises. And then finally, there are the principles of God. And these are things that God just set in place that if we would do these things, then results would just happen. Let me give you a quick example of a negative effect of that. So uh, I went and raided the youth closet. So I've got uh, honey buns. Honey buns are one of my favorite things on the planet, but I can't eat them right now because I'm on a diet. But I love honey buns. Uh, how, how many of you guys like like these? How many of you guys like these? These are good. How many of you guys like like uh, some good old Mountain Dew? Yeah, that's good. And then how about some... Uh, Oklahoma Joe's, or I guess it's Joe's KC barbecue sauce. These are all things that I really, really love. Um, but if I were to employ a negative principle and just always consume these things, what's going to happen to me? I mean, if I just go and I just chug this barbecue sauce, what's going to happen? If I do that every day of my life, if I eat these every day of my life, what's going to happen? I'm going to become unhealthy because there's a principle that if I eat good things, that health is going to be the result of that. If I eat bad things, then I'm going to become unhealthy. And so we can see that in the things of God, that God put principles in place that if we will follow them, then good things happen, that results just happen. And God wired these in such a way, we see this all the time. They're just principles of God that even non-believers can employ the principles of God and see results. I mean, people have written leadership books that have godly results because they're following biblical principles, uh, financial, all these type of things. If you're a good steward with your finances and the Bible shows you how to do that, good things are going to happen. And so we see these three different ways that we can walk in the blessing of God. And we see that also in Ruth. And so if, if you look at Ruth chapter two, verse one, I'll start off in verse one. It says, now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said, go to her, my daughter. So she set out and she went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Here we see here we see Ruth who is employing the principles of God. You see, in those days they had a law that they were had a way to take care of the poor. And basically the reapers could go through the field one time and whatever was left was fair game, and they couldn't harvest the corners of their field. And so it was a way for them to take care of the poor. The poor could come and they could take what was left and, and there have a way to have food. And so Ruth knew this, and so she knew here's a principle. I'm going to employ this principle of God that God already set in place that if I go pick grain, we have food to eat. So she employed a principle of God and thereby she ex experienced the blessing of God. If we keep reading, we see the next thing in verse eight. 
Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in any other field, or don't leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. And so here we see her having to have faith in this promise. Boaz is a type of Christ in this story. And he makes this promise. If you will stay in this field, then you will be taken care of. Trust me, I'll take care of you. So it becomes this if then. And so she follows after the promise that was made to her. And she stays in the field, as we'll see later on. And then she reaps blessings for staying in the field and, and, and keeping hold of the promise. And then finally, we see in verse 14, it says, And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied. She's experiencing some of these blessings. She had some left over and when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, now watch this, he said, let her glean among the sheaves and do not reproach her and also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So what was he instructing them to do? He instructed the young men, the reapers, to not only let her glean, but also accidentally drop extra loads of barley for her to collect. This is a picture of her just experiencing provision, something that she could not do on her own, just an abundance from God. All of these are the blessings of God, the, the principles of God, the promises of God, the provision of God. And when we begin to walk into the blessings of God, the story in Ruth starts to get really good. And when we walk in the blessings of God in our own life, then our story starts to get good as well. How many of you guys want to walk in some more blessings of God, right? I do too. I do too. So here's, here's the, the, some of the keys. Principles of God lead to results. The promises produce rewards and provision flows from relationship. So God will supernaturally bless us in ways beyond just out of, just because he wants to, because he's a good dad, right? He just wants, I mean, with, with my, my wife, there'll be times if I want to do something, she, she doesn't have to do anything for it, but I could bless her just because we're in relationship, okay? And so these are the things, these are ways that we experience blessing of God. Now, uh, the barley being left in abundance, that was more than she could have got in her own power. So it was just supernatural provision. Uh, we're, many of you guys know we're in a position right now where we're looking for new building space. We've got our Stand in the Gap campaign. We've got all that stuff going on. And I, I believe God gave me a word out of Nehemiah. It's also found here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10 through 12. It says, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to you the great and good cities that you did not build. Now watch this. Listen to this supernatural provision. Didn't do anything to get it type language here. The cities that you did not build and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. All of these things, we've been just believing, and we don't know what it's going to look like, but we just believe, well, God has some sort of supernatural provision for us that goes beyond anything we could do so that at the end of the day, it's a total God story, right? Now, along with that, we've got our part to play. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But that's what we've been believing for, which, by the way, this is a great opportunity for me to give you a building fund update right here in the middle of the message, all right? So at the beginning of the year, we had just over 100000 in our building fund. 
fund, our board moved over 400,000 over from the general to the building fund. So that left us with 500,000. So right now, currently, we have $593,116.48. Come on, can we give God some praise for that? Almost 100,000 in two months. We're making progress, people. We're making progress. I want to encourage you guys in that. Some of you guys have stepped up in big ways. That's just awesome, okay? Let me give you something else. Another way that we just experienced last month, just as a church, a family in our church, and I have permission to, to share this because I believe it'll inspire many people in generosity, but we had a family last year give to our general fund, which we could move this to our building fund if the board decides to do so, but we had one family give a check of $65,000 to our church. Now, that's just unexpected, right? That's just totally like dropping barley out for us to pick up, right? See, God does that, and that's amazing. We celebrate that, and we're thankful for that, because God is setting the stage for a great story ahead, so we're so thankful for that. And so that's an example of supernatural, unexpected provision. Now, let me give you an example of the principles and promises of God as well. I got a testimony in uh, from somebody, and I'm going to read this. They wanted to remain anonymous, but, but watch this. This is an illustration, not of just the supernatural provision, but I want you to see something else in here. And I'll just read it. It says, I wanted to share God's faithfulness in the area of giving. We have given our tithe to the local church and given to other ministries as well on top of the tithe. However, I had not understood God's rules in the area on giving till reading Robert Morris's book, The Blessed Life, that was given out after a service a couple weeks ago. Robert spoke about three types of giving. Number one, the tithe. Number two, gifts. Number three, extravagant gifts. When Pastor Sean set the vision for the building fund before the church, my wife and I asked God what we were to give. God told us to give $5,000. Now that felt like it fell in the, into that extravagant gifts area for us at the time in our budget because we had tons of bills and other things we wanted to accomplish. But we made the decision that we were going to give the money no matter what. And that didn't make sense in the natural I want you to know that God is faithful. Less than a month later, I received a completely unexpected $50,000 raise at my work. Ten times the amount we decided to give. Come on, we just praise God for that a little bit. My, my family is praising God for his supply. My family is praising God for his goodness. I don't believe I would have received this blessing if I would, have not, if I would not have obeyed God. God just proved to me that when he says give, the only answer is to obey. So here we see an example of following after the promises and principles of God. And then we saw this enormous uh, provision by God, this enormous blessing from God. Now, let me just say something. And here I'm getting ready to give you the message right now. Okay, you ready? Getting ready to give you the message. Some of us are wanting provision blessings where God has given us principal opportunities. Some of us are wanting supernatural provision blessings where God has given us promise blessing opportunities. Is anybody hearing me tonight? So we hear the stories like that of, of the dropping bundles of grain, but I want you to see that, that just like this person said, that had I not stepped out and obeyed God, I don't know if the other would have come. 
And I can tell you God places these principles in our life uh, so that we can follow after them. Now, let me say it this way. Many times the principles and the promises put you in position for the supernatural provision. But if we don't follow the principles and the promises, it, it, it's, it puts us into a position for these. And this is exactly where we find Ruth. If you follow the story of Ruth, and I have to be faithful to the story, you understand this is exactly what happened. See, on our way to, the, to our destiny, there's God's part, and then there's our part. See, God led Ruth to the right field. And that was a supernatural provision of God. But she still had to pick up the barley, lo- the barley grain. She still had to pick up that bundle. Even though God supernaturally may lead us to something, we still have to go out there and pick up the grain. And this is where we find Ruth, Ruth chapter 2, verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went to the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she also brought out what, and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. So if you've got the dream over here, you've got the day of your dream, and you're in the distance right now before you got a day over here, get, let me just hear me clearly. God blesses a servant's heart, not a selective heart. Oh, God, I just want you to lead me to the field and introduce me to Boaz. But no, it was, it was her reputation of what she had done for her mother-in-law. It was her, her hard work of working in the field, employing the principles of God, following after the promises of God that led to the provision of God. See, that's how we live in this distance. You see, many of us have a Boaz dream, but we have an Orpa attitude. Do you remember Orpa back at the beginning of the story? See, Orpa was like, well, okay, I kind of want a new family. I kind of want to have all this kind of stuff, but when things get hard or things kind of, I'll just stay here. And it made total sense for her to do that. But she, she didn't get to have the story of Ruth. She didn't get to have, we, we have this dream. See, Ruth was willing to serve her way to the dream. She was willing to employ a principle of God, and that set her up for the provision of God. So I want us to watch this last illustration because I believe, and the, the point I really want to get is God is a God of blessings. But we've got to understand his part is the provision. Our part is to link our faith with his promises and to employ his principles. And when we skip those steps, we miss out on the blessing. So I've got one more illustration. Let's watch this illustration. So Jake Sapp recently preached to our teenagers. Many of you guys know Jake Sapp. He's preached uh, here on, on the weekends before as well. But he said something to the teenagers a couple weeks ago that really stuck with me. And what he did is he simply just threw out a statement. He said, I need a driver. And he began to ask the teenagers to fill in the blanks, like what that might mean. What does it mean I, mean I need a driver? And, and several different teenagers were throwing out different things, like maybe you need an Uber or uh, you need somebody to drive you someplace and just all kinds of different ideas. And, and then Jake began to, to kind of put a different spin on it. And he said, well, what if, what if you lived a, a few hundred years ago? Because I need a driver means a whole lot a couple hundred years ago, a whole lot different thing than what it means today. It might mean that you need a horse or you need a, uh, somebody to come pick you up uh, in a buggy or something like that. Or if you're in the future, 
uh, you, I need a driver may mean that you are learning how to drive some sort of spaceship or something like that. Or if you're a conspiracy theorist, maybe that's all available now. We don't even know. So, uh, but I need a driver means a lot of different things. And so we can make assumptions based on that statement. And the same is true when it comes to the dreams that God puts in our heart and the dreams that God puts in our life, the calling that God puts in our life. I need a driver or I have a calling or God's given me a dream what we end up doing is we begin to make assumptions about what that means and what that means for us and how we're supposed to participate in that. And so in our relationships, for example, we maybe we have a relationship issue and we, we begin to make assumptions about how we are going to fix that or how that's how God wants to use that instead of just starting with the light that we have and what God speaks to us and just starting in the very simple ways God puts in front of us. In our, our talents and our dreams and our calling, many times we make assumptions about the gifts that we have or the calling that God puts in our life. And, and so we begin to fill in the blanks for God instead of really listening to God's voice. We get frustrated at times because we, we wonder why isn't God using us or why can't people see our gifts or talents or why, why aren't they being used? And, and the moment that it starts to become about us is the moment that we've missed it. Because our gifts, our calling, uh, our dreams that God gives us even, they aren't about us. They're for other people. God uses us in that. And sure, we get a blessing in all of that. But really, it's for other people. And it's extremely immature when we begin to think that it's all about us. And it's all about how God is going to do something in my life or just for me or my gifts or my relationship. It becomes extremely immature. And I love the thing that, that Jake Sapp shared uh, in that message. And what he shared was this. He, he really felt like he had a call to preach and to, to pastor and really not knowing how that was going to come about. And, and kind of get, you get frustrated in that sometimes. And one day he was talking with somebody and helping him through their problems. And God began to speak to him. And he said, Jake, what are you doing right now? And, and God revealed to him, you are preaching a sermon. You are using your gifts. You are pastoring this person. And so in a way that he didn't assume that it could happen, he was being revealed that it starts right there. And so if you're frustrated with that, if you if you see that there's a, a distance between the day God has given you a dream and the dream coming to fulfillment, I want to just encourage you to go back to start where you are. You see, Jesus, he didn't take up a trumpet and announce all that he all the good he was doing. And here I'm coming on the scene. Jesus took a towel and he began to serve. And so many times we get into this, it's my way or the highway type thinking. And I'm telling you, when we get into that type thinking, God has a way of showing us the on-ramp. <laughs> He'll let us drive on there and drive right out of the picture that God has for our lives. And so I want to encourage you, kingdom people, what they do is they start by picking up a towel. They start by picking up barley and the barley will lead to the Boaz. Amen. That's good. Man, I like that preacher. He's good. He's good stuff. Needs to pay attention to the road, but it's good. We're going to have our worship team come back up. We're getting ready to receive communion. Again, God prepares you for the dream that, that it prepares you, for, prepares the dream for the person that you're going to be, not the person that you are now. Now, watch this. Part of becoming the person you need to be for the dream is picking up the barley. That, that's what makes you the person that you're supposed to be. That's what makes you the person you're supposed to be. It's because I feel like I'm, there's a dream right now. Thank you, Mike. It's great, man. It's an anointing. Spirit of the Lord's here. It's been here all night. It's awesome. <laughs> I asked for the worship team. You guys come right up. That's awesome. 
So we're going to close, and we're going to see later on how Ruth's dream was not about her, but we're going to see how it was about, it even touches us, it even t- touches the generations. Okay, so we're going to see that a little bit later on. But the Boaz dream starts with picking up barley. It starts with, it starts with picking up the grain. It starts with doing what God has put right in front of you. It starts with, with you know, hey, I have this day right here, and I'm frustrated. You may be right here. You don't know how far that is. You could be right on the edge of it. You could be right there. But we still, we, we just say, yes, Lord. We, we obey. We employ the principles of God, the promises of God, and we see the provision of God. We pick up a towel instead of a trumpet. So would you guys stand up with me as we get ready to close? Because we talked about three ways of blessing. But you know, just like we heard last week, there's only one way to receive grace. There's only one way to receive grace. That's by faith. We receive grace by faith. And you know what grace is like? You know, we're we're in this story of Ruth where there's a harvest and there's planting and there's all this stuff. Grace is like a harvest that you didn't plant. (laughs) Isn't it so good? It's like receiving a harvest that you didn't do anything to put it there. And I want you just to close your eyes for just a moment and just think about God's grace towards you. And listen, if, if you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never decided to follow him, maybe you thought you had to work your way maybe in the field for a long time to kind of plant your own harvest. Listen, I'm telling you, Jesus did all the heavy lifting. He did all of the planting. He's done all the tending. He's done all the weeding. He's got a harvest ready for you, and it's a harvest of salvation where you can walk in relationship with God. And you simply... Just do it by faith. You just simply say, yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, Lord, I believe your grace. I believe your goodness. I believe you died on the cross for me, that you took my sin, you took my place, that you did the heavy lifting, and and I choose to walk in your grace today, and I want to follow you. Maybe you followed Jesus before, for whatever reason, you look at your life and you feel like the prodigal son in that story, if you know that story, and you feel like I've kind of strayed away. You know what? Tonight's a great night for you to come back to the Father's house. It's a great night just to say, I'm coming home. And and here's the thing. The same applies whether you've been following Jesus before or not. You you know, as soon as you get saved, it's not like grace doesn't work for you anymore. It's like as soon as grace works for those of us who follow Jesus all our lives just as much as it does for the one who just started. That all we have to do is by faith receive his grace, walk in forgiveness, you know, the, your repentance is turning around and turning away from the old life and coming back to the Father's house. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you say, Pastor Sean, that's me, I need to, I need to make things right with God tonight. I'm just going to take a moment and see if we need to take a moment out of this service to pray for you. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand and put it right back down if that's you. We're going to just take a moment in this service. All right, anybody at all? I just want to make sure I didn't miss anybody. All right, let's all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you died for me and that you rose from the dead and that you give me eternal life. I receive your grace by faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lord, we thank you so much that we can walk in your grace.
that you have blessings out there that we can walk in your provision, your promises, and your principles as well. We thank you so much for that. What we're gonna do right now is we're gonna receive communion. There's tables in the back and there's tables up here. And as you come to the table, you're not coming to get something from God. You're you're coming to the table to, to worship. You're coming to the table to be grateful. You're coming to the table to recount the blessings that he's put in your life. You're coming to the table to remember and to remind yourself that he is a God of grace. That when he died on the cross, he he doesn't have to die on the cross every time you, you sin. You just walk in his grace. When you come to the table, you're reminded of the body that was broken for you and the blood that was spilled for you and that you're also reminded as we are the body You're reminded that if his grace was enough for me, it's enough for the person standing next to me. It's enough for my spouse, it's enough for my friend, it's enough for my enemy. His grace is enough. And so we're so thankful for your grace, Lord. We come and we receive by faith. We remember by faith. God, we walk in this by faith, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's come and receive, and during this song, receive communion at your seat.